It's a phrase from popular movies. It's also a question that comes up in our daily life. The question is, is that even legal? We talk about the things that drive you crazy, the things you won't believe, and the things you need to know and understand. I'm attorney Bob Sewell, and this is the podcast, Is That Even Legal? Let's get started. Today's guest on the show is Michael Medina. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Michael is a catastrophic injury attorney. He does wrongful death actions. He is a expert in the law. He, if you think about a case where you're going to need science and engineering to prove your case, then you're thinking about Michael Medina because that's what he does. He uses science and engineering and he uses all his knowledge and legal skill to bring about a result on difficult cases. So I'm really happy you came on. Thank you. But you forgot to add physics and biomechanics and yeah. kinematics. Well, that stuff's too smart for me, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so one of the things I usually do in the show is begin with a story. I don't want to have a story right now. I want to talk law. And when I'm done with the law, I want to talk about the story. Sure. So you and I deal with, in, in many respects, we deal with the the dead and the dying, right? And And... And I work on probate, and my job as a probate attorney is to resolve the conflicts, you know, that, that arise in the probate setting, typically after death. Who, whose bills to pay? Who to collect against? Who do we need to sue? Who, whether or not it's a good idea to sue? Um, we want then, want to then pass title and get the money to the heirs and the beneficiaries or whoever it des- deserves to have the money. You deal with other things. You know, you're dealing with death and the wrongful death side. How does that work? Well, similar to you, we want to make sure we have all the beneficiaries or or the, the parents, the, the brothers, the sisters, everyone involved. Uh, as you know, that... Uh, Whenever you sue on behalf uh, in a wrongful death case, there's one person that can bring that case, and he represents or she represents all the statutory beneficiaries. So we have to get everyone on board as well. And what we do is we sue whatever, whoever caused the accident or whatever company or manufacturer caused the accident, and the statutory beneficiary acts on behalf of all those individuals. Sometimes we have to go to probate court for approval of those things, especially when there are minor children. But generally, what we do is we focus on uh, proving liability, looking at damages, and making sure that the settlement is fair and the court will approve it. Okay, so I want to catch our listeners up to speed for a second. In the common law, as they said many times in the common law, the dead man has no injuries. Let me explain. Let's say 500 years ago, there's a, 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 a wagon going by and it's filled with the local brewery's beer and there's kegs on this wagon. One of those kegs is not tied down and it falls off and it breaks the leg of the, the, the guy nearby who's walking. Okay. That person whose leg is broken is injured. He sues the, the person who's driving the wagon and he says, 
I shouldn't be the only one that suffers. You should suffer as well because your negligence harmed me. Same fact, but that keg falls off and it, you know, hits the guy, knocks him down, hit the guy hits his head on the curb, he dies. That person has no injuries. He has no cause of action. Well, people said, well, that ain't right. We, there, there's still someone, there's still people who are suffering. And the legislators stepped in and they created these wrongful death statutes. All right. And that's what you're dealing with, right? The wrongful death statute. Right. Most states have a wrongful death statute. Arizona has one as well. It defines on who can bring a wrongful death claim. And that's what we were talking about earlier. And, and, and so who can exactly bring a wrongful death in, claim? In, in Arizona, the individuals who are listed under, on, under the wrongful death statute are the spouse, the children, and if there are no spouse or children, the parents can bring a wrongful death statute. Okay. How? What about an estate? Can an estate bring a wrongful death? Uh, it's a different type of action. It's a survivor, uh, an estate action. So it's not really a wrongful death because the claims aren't the same. Okay. And it's it's typically the damages the estate would have suffered, right? C- correct. And, and what types of damages are those? Generally, those types of damages, if there is an estate, what you look at are, you know, medical bills, uh, sometimes loss of earnings, things that would go into this to the estate. Uh, generally, in a wrongful death action, it's different. What you're looking at are uh, loss of financial support, uh, loss of companionship, pain and suffering, mental anguish, those types of damages that are particular to the survivors. Uh, so, so that's why there's a differentiation between the estate and uh, an action on behalf of the estate or an action on behalf of the, uh, of the wrongful death. Okay. So how long do I have to bring a wrongful death? You know, that, that keg falls off. It kills my, my, uh, my dad. Um, I'm the, uh, you know, the minor child. How long do I have to bring that case? In Arizona, you have two years from the date that you discover that there is a right to a cause of action. So generally two years from the date of the death. Okay. And if it's beyond that, what happens? Uh, The court will throw it out uh, on a statute of limitations grounds uh, saying that that there is no cause of action because you waited longer than the two-year period. Okay. All right. Now we got the basics there. I think we got – did I miss anything about this? The the only thing that that I I would add is that what we talked about is in Europe the dead man has no injuries. Injuries. It's the same thing with wrongful death. Any pain and suffering or anything that the that the decedent had before his death uh, is extinguished with with his death. Okay. So now I want to tell you a story. Okay. And I. And this is a very sensitive story, and if anyone gets offended by it, I'm sorry. I'm just I want to tell it straight up, and and sort of compare what you just said, the 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 law as it is, with what happened in this particular case. So there's this guy named Mario Villegas. He and his wife conceive a child in 2018, and. When the fetus was eight weeks old, his wife made a decision to have an abortion. And presumably he knew what was happening. And 
I don't know whether he was on board with it at the time. We don't know. But now, looking back, he says he is disappointed in this. He's, he is insinuating that he didn't have a choice in the matter. Whether or not he did, we don't know. His wife meets with the professionals at the abortion clinic. She undergoes the required medical counseling. She signs the releases and the consents, and she says she's been uh, informed properly. She acknowledges the consequences of her actions, and she has the abortion on July 25th, 2018. Okay. Okay. A little over two years later, Mario convinces a probate judge to then open up an estate for the unborn fetus. fetus. Now, that really kind of blew my mind, and I'm going to tell you why it blew my mind. And it's because when you open an estate, it's typically for those who have been born, right? I have money I need to collect. I have assets I need to collect. I have debts I need to pay. These are the reasons why you open up an estate. It's for to deal with the problems you left behind from the your living life. You know, and and to pass the you know, pass on your assets to your heirs. Right. So I was a little surprised that the judge let him open an estate for an unborn fetus. The fetus has no money, he has no assets, he has no whatever, whatever. No problems that are accumulated while living, while being born, I should say. Um, what do you make of that? Is that even legal? It, it wouldn't be legal to bring a wrongful death statute because there was never a life. Uh, you know, uh, the baby was never born. And under Arizona law, uh, you couldn't bring a, a lawsuit uh, based upon those facts. Okay, let's handle it one one by one. Okay. In the, why have an estate open for, in, to bring a wrongful death action? Oh, by the way, I should say he ends up suing the clinic, the medical providers, uh, and he says wrongful death and he says medical negligence because you didn't get informed consent. And the wife says, oh, no, I received my informed consent. I knew what I was doing. I wanted this act- this uh, uh, abortion. I received it. That's the end of the story. But he says, no, 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 you weren't properly informed. And it was a wrongful death. So I, I, let's handle it one by one. What did the estate get out of this wrongful death action if they were to win? Well, generally, uh, like I mentioned earlier, what the estate gets are medical bills, uh, loss of earnings that would go into the estate, any property that would go into the estate. But since the, the, the fetus does not have any assets, there would be nothing to go into the into the estate. Hmm. So. There's no damages to the estate. Not from a catastrophic injury, wrongful death case. Okay. What about statute of limitations? What, what is, 
what's this guy going to look at from a statute of limitations perspective? Well, because of the timing, it's beyond the two years. Um, I think it would be very difficult for him to show that since he was married when uh, when the when his wife became pregnant, that for him not to know that what occurred, I think it would be very difficult for him to proceed beyond the uh, or be able to extend the statute of limitations beyond those two years. No, because he'd have to he'd have to not know what happened, right? Right. Okay, so, and then and the other thing is, what are his damages for the wrongful death? If assuming he was able to prove wrongful death, well, wrongful death would be the loss of companionship. Obviously, uh, there would be no loss of earnings, and you you can't argue that because it's in. You don't know for sure what the loss of earnings would be so a court wouldn't allow any type of loss of earnings. So it would be, generally be loss of companionship for the child. Okay. All right, let me push back on you okay. for a minute. So regardless of how you feel, you know, and, and I know you, Mike, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I know how you actually feel about this, but regardless of how you actually feel, this isn't a wrongful death. It's a legal death. Opine on that. Correct. Uh, it, it, there's nothing wrongful because of the informed consent and the way Arizona, Arizona law is written. There are some cases out there that specifically state that parents, uh, you can't, for, for example, a child can't bring a wrongful life uh, uh, claim even if the 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 uh, child claims that the, should have been aborted. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, okay, let's, so, okay, <laughs> this one's blowing my mind. Yeah, it, it, people have tried to bring ca- cases to say that I am a wrong that they themselves are a wrongful life. Yes, uh, on behalf of the minor child, and the courts have said no. We're we're not allowing that. We're not stepping into the arena of the parental decision on whether to have a child or not. And that's generally for the, you know, the civil courts what they've with what they've done in those types of cases. Okay. Okay, so so keep keep that analogy, explain that analogy a little bit further for me. Well, in, in cases especially nowadays you can have you know in vitro testing and and finding out whether the child has a certain disease or a disability or that type of thing. So in those cases, the some of the children have brought a, a wrongful life lawsuit based upon that they sh- that the pregnancy should have been terminated. Hmm. So let's go down the road a little bit further. We have, again, we have a wrongful... the. The statute on the books in Arizona and in every other state, they, they all are slightly different, but they're generally the same. The statute says for wrongful death, you get to bring an action. But this is not a wrongful death. It's a legal death, right? right? Is abortion illegal in Arizona? No. It's perfectly legal. And when it happened, we hadn't had that recent Supreme Court decision. It's a legal death. 
because right. she had every right to terminate her pregnancy. Okay. So we don't, we don't have a wrongful we ha- death. We have a legal death. Is, is that a bad analogy? Is that a bad discussion? No, I, I think that's, that, that's accurate. You know, what, what, what you and I do, we look at the law and see if it's legal, if it's even legal. And in this case, given the way the state of the law, when, when the abortion was performed in this matter, there would not be a cause of action for wrongful death. What's really going on then? You know, I don't know. I, I think maybe they're trying to force some action by the courts or the legislature on these issues. What would happen if he was successful? If Mario Villegas is successful in his action, he takes it all the way as far as he can go. He convinces, he conv- convinces whatever court that wrongful death is when every single time uh, a, a person is disappointed in the abortion and they get to sue the medical providers, what's, what's the result? I, I think it really would, would cause a, a, a huge effect in, in the medical provider industry, especially on informed consent. Now you got to bring in the father. Now you got to bring in other individuals into this decision-making process. Even if the, even if the father w- did not know or the, they didn't have a long, long relationship or all those sorts of things, the father would have to also have signed the informed consent. So at the very minimum, right, he's looking for parental input. He's looking for the fatherly side of this input. He wants to have his say at the very minimum, right? Right. But at the maximum, what is he doing? At the maximum, he's probably trying to make sure that that uh, abortions become uh, illegal in Arizona. Right. So, I mean, so right. it would, be, it would put, 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 put these medical providers in the position where they could get sued all the time or they could do their their practice. So it, now we're not here to talk politics. We know this is the result. We know this is what's what the, what he's trying to do. We know where he's trying to push the law. Is that legal? He knows what the law is. Mario Villegas knows what he's up against. This is he's not stupid. The attorney knows what he's up against. He's not stupid either. So, so why bring a case that you know is against the law? Is that even legal? Well, uh, you know, you have to have a good faith belief that, that the that the law should be changed. Or so it's really hard to see this this attempt to get around what the legislature has done on on these issues, especially through a court. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you got to have that good faith. It's not wrong to want to change the law. Right. It's not wrong to want to push the law to its to its maximum and 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 get a change of the law. It's it's how we've in America has seen progress and various issues is by pushing the court system to its to its logical limits. And. But it. It feels wrong to some to some degree when you know you have a loser to bring the to bring a loser. It, it, it seems 
you know, I, I hate to say frivolous because, you know, personal injury attorneys are always accused of frivolous lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, in, in some respects, it seems frivolous. Um, just looking at the pleadings and reading uh, some of the documents that have been filed in this case, it's. I, I don't think it's the proper way to go about trying to change the law. Um, and I think that's what, as lawyers, we want to make sure we have a system in place to change laws and adopt laws. And I think any time we go beyond that and and try to do these things, people question lawyers already to begin with. And now here's going to be another example of a frivolous lawsuit. I want to talk about a non-frivolous use of the wrongful death statute and injury law. And I want to educate people about what, you know, the smart attorneys out there are doing to make this world a little safer and to push people and manufacturers and companies to make our world safer. So you recently had a case and it was about a, a, car that ends up rolling over and crushes and i believe it ends up injuring or killing uh, the 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 person what happened the 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 crash occurred when the right rear tire failed um and the tread came off the tire which causes the hand instability to go away from any vehicle the truck entered into the median and it began to roll over and the roof crushed. My, our primary client was the right front passenger. There was a severe amount of roof crush on that side of the vehicle and he suffered fractured vertebrae in his back and he's now an incomplete quadriplegic wheelchair bound for the rest of his life. Now what's weird about this case is the age of the vehicle. And the accident. The accident happened in 2019, right? Right. And the vehicle was how old? The vehicle was at least 15 years old. So early 90s, right? Yes. Why did the roof crush? The roof crushed because there are certain types of steel that are used in the roof. And the stronger steel, called boron steel is the most expensive. So manufacturers, to increase profit, they use cheaper materials. And that was the, that was the case in this truck. Now, there's a, materi- there's, a, there's a category of engineer called a materials engineer, right? Yes. And that is the person you choose when you're deciding for safety. You say, okay, what type of steel do I put in this roof? And if he says boron steel, you the the bean counters say, ah, why don't we choose a different type of steel? And in that fight between the bean counter and the materials engineer, the, the bean counter won, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's what happens in a lot of cases. It happens in tire manufacturers. We've seen it across the board. Everyone's a Ford, uh, familiar with the Ford Firestorm Wilderness tires. Yeah. And a lot of that happened in those cases, especially with the uh, tires. They took out and they they took out different materials and increased the profitability, but they made the tire a lot less safe. Yeah, and and that's what also that happened here too. We had a tire that 
that otherwise shouldn't have failed. Right. And it failed. And th- this tire, there's something called a nylon overlay that goes over the, the uh, tread belts that acts kind of like a Band-Aid. It compresses everything so the, t- the, tread, the tread doesn't come off. And in this case, the tire manufacturer chose not to put a nylon overlay on this tire, even, they, even though they knew because of the size of the tire and the application on a, a pickup truck, they should have put the nylon overlay. <laughs> okay. So the wrongful death comes in and, and, per, and catastrophic injury comes in and this attorney sues. And who do they sue in this case? We, we sued both the, the vehicle manufacturer and the tire manufacturer. Uh, we would have sued the uh, the tire shop, but it went out of business. Uh, you're not supposed to sell tires over six years old. This tire was at least 14 years old. When they sold it? Yes. Okay, that is... That's nuts. It is nuts, especially out here in Arizona. You know, we got this dry heat... And it cooks tires. This time of year, you, you see all kinds of tire failures all along the side of the road. Um, yeah. The, the heat really cooks the tires. And it, shred, it shreds the tread right off. Yes. So if you don't have good tires, you are, you're, you're cruising for a bruising, if, as they say, right? Right. All right. So tell me what the lesson, if I'm that manufacturer of the tire and the, the, the vehicle, what lesson do I learn by what you did to them. Well, it, unfortunately, the, the federal government standards aren't strong enough. Every tire and every tire passes the FMVSS test, the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. Okay. And get this, the manufacturer self-certifies. It's not like the government <laughs> it's not like the government runs their own tests. I mean, runs the test. The manufacturer gets to run their own tests and self-certify. Trust me. Right. I'm, I would never cheat, cheat you. <laughs> so, so the, yeah, exactly. So, so what, by bringing lawsuits, what, what, what the plaintiff's bar has, has been able to do, people that handle catastrophic and wrongful death cases, have been able to get the manufacturer's attention and also the government's attention, and they did increase the standards. And what has generally happened, I don't see as many tire cases anymore. And that's a good thing. I, you know, I, I, I'm proud to represent those families, but I'm, I feel better when there aren't as many cases that, because that means people are safer on the roads and I don't have to talk to these families and uh, about their lost loved ones or in this case, Look at my client who's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And that's not, I mean, that is, I think that's designed, yes, it's designed to make sure your client is, our system is designed to make sure your client is taken care of and to make sure that the person who suffers isn't just your client, but that the company itself, that that company suffers. And when that happens, the bean counter is going to think twice. And I hope they, I hope they do. And in, in some cases they have. In other cases, we're still trying to teach them some lessons. For example, with this crash avoidance technology, that uh, that there, there's technology now that prevents accidents. Everything that seat belts and airbags, they're all after the accidents happen. 
But if you have crash avoidance, automatic braking, uh, smart cruise control, lane departure warnings, there's going to be fewer accidents. Mike, this is really important stuff. And you're obviously an expert. You know what you're doing. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. And uh, it is important. And I, I always appreciate the chance to talk about these things and let the public know what we're trying to do to make vehicles and driving more safe. Okay. So if let's say I have the unfortunate circumstances of needing you, how do I get a hold of you? Uh, you can call uh, Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. Okay. 480-733-8600 or whatever. 480-733-6800. Okay. <laughs> I never call our, our switchboard. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, call me. Uh, uh, you can email me at mmedina at davismiles.com. We're okay. all, we always review everything. Uh, once we get the accident report, we can kind of figure out what happened during the accident. We get out and try to preserve the vehicles and the evidence as quickly as we can, whether it's tow yards and especially this time of year are hot, but it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went by your office once. And you had um, a, a crushed bicycle, a bicycle that just shredded on impact. And then I went went by your office once, and you had a nasty tire sitting yes. in the office. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening to Is That Even Legal? Remember, this isn't legal advice. If you have a legal question for yourself, reach out to an attorney. Remember that we're fun, we're lovable, and we are here to help you. To my listeners in 62 countries across the world, if you have something you want to explore, email us at producer at evenlegal.com. And don't be shy about leaving a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast forum. See you next time.